0: Hi, I'm Shannon, and this is So Here's a Cool Thing, a podcast that focuses on doing mini deep dives into my assorted nerdy passions. November 11th, 2021, marked what would have been the 99th birthday of one of my favorite authors, the inimitable Kurt Vonnegut. His career, spanning 50 years, gifted us with 14 novels, three short story collections, five plays, and five works of nonfiction a Hugo Award winner, a science fiction and fantasy hall of fame member, and just an all-around delightful, brilliant, and lovely human being, Kurt always told it like it was, even if it wasn't what people wanted to hear. He was a champion of free expression and common human decency, and that, in and of itself, makes him worthy of admiration. In this episode, I'll be talking all about Kurt Vonnegut, his life, and his works, and his books that are near and dear to my heart. So settle in while I dive into the life and times of Kurt Vonnegut. And so it goes. Born on November 11, 1922 in Indianapolis, Kurt was the youngest of three children. His father, Kurt Vonnegut Senior, and his grandfather Clemens were both architects and his mother Edith was born into high society with her family among the wealthiest in the city, having derived their fortune from the ownership of a successful brewery. His parents both spoke fluent German, but with the ill feelings toward Germany after World War I, they decided to abandon their German culture in order to show their American patriotism. They didn't bother to teach Kurt to speak German nor introduce him to any German literature or cultural traditions, leaving Kurt, as he put it, ignorant and rootless. He later credited Ida Young, his family's housekeeper and cook, for the first ten years of his life for raising him and instilling in him the values that would come to define him. He described her as human and wise, and added that the compassionate and forgiving aspects of his beliefs all came from her. The financial security and social prosperity that the Vonnegut family enjoyed for a long time was destroyed in a matter of mere years. The Lieber family brewery closed at the advent of prohibition, and with the Great Depression, there were few who could afford to build, leading to a scarcity of work for Kurt Sr.'s architectural firm. While his older siblings had finished their primary and secondary educations in private school, young Kurt was placed in public school. His parents were both deeply affected by their economic misfortune. His father withdrew from mundane life and became what Vonnegut called a dreamy artist. His mother became depressed, bitter, and abusive. She labored to regain the family's wealth and status, and Vonnegut has said that she expressed a hatred for his father that was as corrosive as acid. It's easy to see how these early hardships helped shape the man that Vonnegut would become. In 1936, Vonnegut enrolled at Short Ridge High School in Indianapolis. He played clarinet in the school band and was co-editor of the school newspaper. He described being on the school paper as fun and easy, and it allowed him the opportunity to write for a larger audience, not just his teachers. And as it turns out, he was really good at it. Vonnegut said, it just turned out that I could write better than a lot of other people. Each person has something that they can do easily, And they can't imagine why everyone else has such a hard time with it. For Kurt, that thing was writing. After graduating from high school in 1940, Kurt enrolled at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. He wanted to study the humanities or become an architect like his father. But both his father and his brother Bernard, who was an atmospheric scientist, urged him to study something more useful. So Kurt majored in biochemistry but having neither the proficiency nor the aptitude for it, he was indifferent to his studies, and as such, a subpar student. Despite this, Vonnegut overcame stiff competition to secure a place at the university's independent newspaper, where he was first a staff writer and then an editor. He penned a piece titled, Well, All Right, focusing on pacifism, a cause he would strongly champion all his life, which argued against U.S. intervention in World War II, The attack on Pearl Harbor brought the US into the war irrevocably. Vonnegut had been a member of ROTC, but his poor grades and a satirical article that he had published in the paper cost him his place there. He was placed on academic probation in May of 1942 and dropped out in January. No longer eligible for deferment, Kurt knew it was only a matter of time until he was drafted. Rather than wait around in dread, He enlisted in the army in March 1943 and reported to Fort Bragg for basic training. In May 1944, Vonnegut returned home on leave for Mother's Day to discover that his mother had committed suicide by overdosing on sleeping pills the previous night. Three months after his mother's death, he was sent to Europe and in December 1944, he fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Vonnegut was captured with other American soldiers and taken by boxcar to a prison camp south of Dresden. During the journey, the Royal Air Force mistakenly attacked the trains carrying the POWs, killing about 150 of them. Vonnegut was sent to Dresden, which he called the first fancy city he had ever seen. He lived in a slaughterhouse and was put to work in a factory. February 13, 1945, marked the onset of the Allied forces bombing of Dresden. When the offensive subsided on February 15, so many civilians had been killed. Vonnegut survived by taking refuge in a meat locker three stories underground. When he emerged, he marveled at the level of destruction that he saw. He said, when we came up, the city was gone. They burned the whole damn town to the ground. These harrowing events, as you would expect, had a profound effect on Vonnegut. Its eventual outcome was a book, one which Vonnegut could not bring himself to write for more than 20 years. That book, arguably his most revered and well-known, is 1969's Slaughterhouse-Five. Slaughterhouse Five, published in 1969, was written as a response to the war experience. As explained in Chapter One, it is so short and jumbled and jangled because there is nothing intelligent to say about a massacre. A sci-fi-infused anti-war novel with a non-linear plot, it follows the life of Billy Pilgrim through his early years to his time as an American soldier during World War II and his post-war life. Most of it centers around Billy's capture by the German army and his survival of the Allied firebombing of Dresden. It's been called an example of unmatched moral clarity, and it's one of the most enduring anti-war novels of all time. It's also been one of the most frequently challenged books. Appearing often on banned book lists, it's still considered controversial. In 2011, the book was banned at the Republic High School in Missouri. The Kurt Vonnegut Memorial Library countered this by offering 150 free copies of the novel to Republic High School students on a first-come, first-served basis. I think Kurt would have approved. When a 22-year-old Vonnegut returned home after the war, he married Jane Marie Cox, his high school sweetheart, on September 1, 1945. The couple moved to Chicago where Kurt enrolled in the University of Chicago on the GI Bill as an anthropology student. He supplemented his income by working at the City News Bureau of Chicago. Jane was also attending university to study Russian literature, but dropped out when she became pregnant with the couple's first child. Kurt left university soon after without a degree, despite completing his undergrad education, when his master's degree thesis was unanimously rejected by the department. Not long after, Kurt was hired by General Electrics in Schenectady, New York, as a technical writer and publicist. He remained there until early 1951, when he relocated the entire family to Cape Cod to pursue his writing career full-time. In 1952, his first novel, entitled Player Piano, was released. Published by Scribner's, it had a post-World War III setting, in which factory workers have been replaced by machines. The book showcases Vonnegut's opposition to McCarthyism, and it's been favorably compared to Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, and it also earned Vonnegut the reputation of a sharp-eyed satirist. Although he had been contracted to write a second novel, Kurt struggled to complete it. In 1954, he and Jane had a third child, And with a growing family and no financially successful novels, Kurt published short stories and sought out other sources of income to try and keep them afloat. In 1957, he opened a Saab dealership with a partner, but it went bankrupt within a year. In 1958, his sister Alice died of cancer just two days after her husband was killed in a train accident. The Vonnegut's took in three of his sister's young sons. Despite the hardships and added responsibility, Kirk continued to write. The Sirens of Titan was released in 1959, and it features an almost all-knowing space traveler who's stuck in a time warp. 1961's Mother Night, although it received little attention at the time of publication, gifted us with the quote, We are what we pretend to be, so we must be careful what we pretend to be. 1963's Cat's Cradle has often been referred to as the book where Vonnegut hit his full stride as an author for the first time. It was followed up by 1965's God bless you, Mr. Rosewater described by one as more of a cry from the heart than a novel under its author's full intellectual control. It was around this time that Vonnegut seriously considered giving up his writing career. In 1999, he wrote of that time period. I had gone broke. I was out of print, and I had a lot of kids. As chance would have it, due to a recommendation from an admirer, Kurt received a surprise offer of a teaching job at the Iowa Writers' Workshop, employment that he likened to the rescue of a drowning man. Thank God he didn't give up, because the book he wrote next was Slaughterhouse-Five. the publication of Slaughterhouse Five, Vonnegut had fame and the financial security it brought with it. He was touted as a hero of the anti-war movement and invited to a number of speaking events. He was elected vice president of the National Institute of Arts and Letters and received honorary degrees from two universities. Universal Pictures adapted Slaughterhouse Five into a film which the author himself called flawless. But amid all of this professional success, Vonnegut's personal life was seemingly falling apart. His wife, Jane, had embraced Christianity, which was counter to Vonnegut's atheistic beliefs and caused strife. One of my favorite Vonnegut quotes is, People say there are no atheists in foxholes. A lot of people think that this is a good argument against atheism. Personally, I think it's a much better argument against foxholes. The couple battled it out over their beliefs until Vonnegut left their Cape Cod home in 1971 for New York. The couple divorced, but remained friends until Jane's death in 1986. On top of this, his son Mark suffered a mental breakdown in 1972, which exacerbated Vonnegut's own depression and stymied his writing progress. Despite these troubles, in 1973, he finally released Breakfast of Champions. It was critically panned, but it remains my favorite of all of his works that I've read to date. It's darkly comedic, and I just can't help but love it. In 1976, he released Slapstick, a meditation on the relationship between he and his sister. In 1979, he married Jill Krements, a photographer whom he had met while she was working on a series about writers. In the years following his second marriage, he enjoyed a resurgence in popularity and published a number of satirical books, including Jailbird in 1979 and *Dead Eye Dick in 1982. Vonnegut's lifelong struggle with depression got the better of him, and in 1984 he attempted suicide. Luckily, he survived and continued on in the manner of the prolific writer we know him to be, giving us 1985's Galapagos, 1987's Bluebeard, 1990's Hocus Pocus, and the last of his 14 novels, 1997's Timequake. Vonnegut's final book was a collection of essays entitled A Man Without a Country, which was released in 2005. In a 2006 interview with Rolling Stone magazine, Vonnegut sardonically stated that he would sue Brown & Williamson Tobacco Company, the makers of the Pall Mall cigarettes he had been smoking since he was around 12 years old, for false advertising, saying, And do you know why? Because I'm 83 years old, the lying bastards. On the package, they promised to kill me. On the night of April 11, 2007, Kurt Vonnegut died in Manhattan, as a result of brain injuries incurred several weeks earlier during a fall he took it home in his brownstone. He was 84 years old. Author Lev Grossman wrote of Vonnegut in a 2007 issue of Time Magazine. His sincerity, his willingness to scoff at received wisdom is such that upon reading his work for the first time, one is given the sense that everything else is rank hypocrisy. His opinion of human nature was low And that low opinion applied to his heroes and villains alike. He was endlessly disappointed in humanity and in himself. He could easily become a crank, but he was too smart. He could have become a cynic, but there was something tender in his nature which he could never quite suppress. I love that last bit, because as a devout reader of Kurt's work, I feel like that's what really shines through. The tenderness, that innate kindness, that human decency that he couldn't hide. I'd like to leave you with one of my favorite Vonnegut quotes. Hello, babies. Welcome to Earth. It's hot in the summer and cold in the winter. It's round and wet and crowded. At the outside, babies, you've got about a hundred years here. There's only one rule I know of, babies. God damn it, you got to be kind. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of So Here's a Cool Thing. All of the wonderful books I mentioned can be purchased from any major book retailer, your favorite indie bookstore, or they can also be requested from your local library. If you're interested in learning more about Kurt Vonnegut, there's an amazing biography called And So It Goes, Kurt Vonnegut, A Life by Charles J. Shields. I highly recommend it. Or, if you ever find yourself in Indianapolis, Indiana, you can visit the Kurt Vonnegut Museum and Library. You can find me on the web on Twitter at So Here's a Cool Th1 and on Instagram at So Here's a Cool Thing. There's a link to my anchor in both of those profiles. I'm available on most of your favorite podcatchers, so please like, follow, subscribe, tell a friend. So, until next time, I'm Shannon, and I hope you learned a cool thing.